Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. The Republican Party and the Democratic Party are private corporations that are motivated by control. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. Hey friends, welcome on back to the Lions of Liberty podcast. This is episode number 168. For today's show notes, featuring links to everything we discuss in the show, head on over to lionsofliberty.com slash 168. And if you enjoy this program, one way that you can help us out during this holiday season is by shopping through our Amazon affiliate link. This costs you nothing extra to do. Simply click on and bookmark our link at lionsofliberty.com slash Amazon. We really appreciate the help, guys. All right, and here we are once again with yet another 2016 presidential debate reaction show. And we find ourselves... Once again, taking some time out of our weekend to cover these Democratic debates, and I've assembled a brave crew of Liberty lovers to help navigate our way through things. First of all, here in the Lions of Liberty studios with me, someone who is on his phone right now tweeting or something, hopefully turning off his notifications, Mr. Brian McWilliams. I was actually reviewing some of our blog posts from last night to make sure I had my talking points down, Mark. Okay, well then, you better have talking points, because I'm going to come to you expecting them now that you've, you've hyped it's it up all, so It's much. just purely going to revolve around Hillary and her burlap sack dress. I, That's the only I, thing I, I want to talk about. <laughs> I would hope so. And uh, we're also now going to send it over to uh, Leesburg, Virginia, with our good friend, some would call him the godfather of Lions of Liberty, Mr. Howie Snowden. Hey, Mark. How's it going? It's going all right, man. Are you, have you uh, have you recovered from these, these this last week of debates yet? We had the GOP warmonger fest, and, and now this you had to sit through all this stuff on a Saturday night? This was – I mean, I wish they would actually start them when they say they would instead oh, of lying about it. Don't get me it. started on that. <laughs> and also, that was way too long for three people. Yeah, I agree. Um, and we also have a very special guest with us this week to discuss the Democratic debate. He is a, a man who's been all over uh, even progressive websites. He's been on the Huffington Post, and uh, he's also the founder of the Blue Republicans. He is, of course, Robin Kerner. Robin, how are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm I'm pretty good, as good as I can be after after you know sitting through what five six hours of actually if you include I know it's work, isn't it work? It really it's, is. It's so banal, so much of it. It's just like, oh, it's work. But I did it for you, Mark. I did it for you. Well, thank you. We do appreciate it, and uh, it's not just for us though. It's for the cause of liberty all around. <laughs> how how this debate actually is going to help us advance liberty, I'm still trying to figure <laughs> out. But that's that's the spin we're going to go with for now. Um, no, I, I literally, I think I watched eight hours of debates this week because I watched the the um, GOP undercard debate and then the GOP uh, main event, I guess you'd call it, and now and now this. So, oh boy, I don't even know where to start. So why don't we just start with the guy who's touting the fact that he has talking points, Brian well, McWilliams? What, what 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 did you take from this thing? I took well, let's see. Starting off, let me just say that it's uh, it was very frustrating as always watching Hillary Clinton speak. Every time she's asked anything, she doesn't say anything of substance. She dances on every topic, and it drives me insane. Specifically, I'll go. I'll, I'll do this one thing, uh, even though it's jumping forward in the debate. 
Uh, did you guys enjoy how Hillary Clinton refused to answer the specific question she was asked Any on question. Libya? Any question, but Libya, the moderators, because they did a pretty good job. The moderators were really going after her on Libya. How much responsibility do you bear on this? And what was her answer slash non-answer? It was just, it was, there was the thing, there was no answer. She didn't even, re- like, refer to her own culpability in the matter in any way. Like she's or a, her own actions. She as was if just she like, were an outside right, observer. Right. Um, it's like, oh, I don't know. She, she basically, she was talking like a history professor saying, well, here's, here's what happened. Here's, here's the state of things in Libya. Here's what Libyans are doing right now. And it's like nothing, no indication that she had any responsibility in anything that happened or that she was advocating for this and that. As Secretary of State, a lot of this lands at her shoulders. All right. So, and th- how did that go over with the uh, with the Democratic crowd? Did they give a shit? Oh, of course not. No, there was there were no booze. There was okay. no like, oh, That's... what a what a horrible warmonger. Oh yes, this you know destabilizing and regime change is a uh, which that I want to hear. How much did you guys like the uh, the theme that people were talking about, except Hillary Clinton of anti regime change? Well, mm. it's, it's more than we see out of the out of most Republicans. That's for sure. Yeah, true. All right, well, that'll do it for. Uh, All right, guys, <laughs> thank you for joining us. We've like run another... out of talking points. <laughs> no, it's it's great to see that brought up. But they're really just paying lip service to all these things. I mean, now we're we're hearing about crony capitalism. We're hearing about is regime change a great idea? And they're talking about these things, which is you know a step in the right direction. But they're not going to do anything about it. Yeah, I, I was very surprised to hear Martin O'Malley, of all people, bring up crony capitalism. I mean, I don't know if um, if that's just a phrase he heard recently and, and that all the kids are, are talking about. But, um, it's, I mean, eight years ago, these aren't phrases. And I think and I think Robin would probably attest to this, that in some way, this is where we see victories, even if they're not playing out in, in real life yet. But when the politicians who would never, you know, talk about this stuff are, are at least forced to do things like question regime change, forced to do things like use terms like crony capitalism, because even if it's only because they think it might benefit them with some segment of the population, the fact that these are getting into political debate, I think has to be seen as a positive in some way. Oh, I'd go even further. I mean, go, go that, all the way. <laughs> that's, what, that's what moving politics is. You know, one thing I, I talk a lot about, you know, in my speeches and stuff is, is that historically, Um, and this is just down to human nature, Uh, culture precedes politics. You know, and like you say, this is some success. I mean, frankly, you know, maybe O'Malley watched the Ron Paul video recently. You know, who knows? I mean, there has been a cultural shift. And the things that cause cultural shifts that have political outcomes are shared senses, a shared sense of, of injustice. And that's why the crony corporatism thing is working so well. Um, you know, because the culture's moved and there's this sense of, yeah, this, this just ain't right. And, and that kind of, it transcends ideology. And if you want to, um, you know, do well as an insurgent, then what you have to do is speak to an injustice that really is just kind of a human injustice and not, an, you know, one that, that only makes sense because of your political ideology. So, so here, here you're seeing it, right? And, um, you know, I don't think you can, in a way, blame politicians for doing what the people want, because, as I say, politicians, to, to within quite a large margin of error, can only do what the culture allows them to do. So, you know, and that's kind of what we pay them for, right, is to kind of represent. I mean, we complain when they don't represent us. And now they're moving because we've moved. Yeah, all right. I mean, I think there's worse crimes that politicians commit. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even if even if someone is necessarily not being genuine to themselves, if they're moving because, like you said, because everyone else is moving, well, well, good. That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to move when we move, and not the other way around. So, um, I know, and I, I know this is something that 
I don't know, a lot of uh, the anarchist wing, I guess, might think a lot. Like, oh, it's so, what a ridiculous idea, this Kerner guy. He's saying that politicians represent us. And we can point to a million circumstances where politicians go yeah, against the will. Hold on, just let me, I didn't say that. No, I, I, oh, I know, I'm just, I just know the kind of reactions I'll get. <laughs> you know. Hey, Robin, I like that you bring up this sense of, like, justice or fairness. And I'm wondering what the electorate's going to think about how it seems how much the DNC is kind of trying to rig things for Hillary. Like these debates are on Saturday nights because probably nobody but us watch them. They're only having six debates. They're like, they might as well just change it to the HNC instead of the DNC. And I really feel like the American people are going to be like, this is not fair. That's a good line, Howie, the HNC. I'm going to use that sometime. I'm going to steal that from you. You know, (laughs) you raise it. So this is another big theme that I I think, you know, good for bringing it up. Um, Yeah. Let's all be clear. The, uh, Republican Party and the Democratic Party are private corporations that are motivated by control. What they want to do is control those within them, you know, like pretty much most organizations, right? Um, you know, and you can see that. I mean, in my state of Washington, there's a wonderful uh, Republican legislator, um, a guy called Matt Shea. Here's a, here's a shout out to Matt Shea. Now, if you're outside Washington, you probably don't know who he is, but if you're in Washington, you probably do. And he's just a down-the-line uh, like constitutionalist who actually votes for things that are in the Republican Party platform. And the Republicans primary him whenever they can, you know, they do him down whenever he can because he can't be controlled because he's a man of principle. He's like kind of a bit like Washington's Ron Paul, right? Um, and, and so if you want to understand what the parties do, it's, um, it's control. Everything is sacrificed on the altar of can we control the people who basically are standing, you know, under our banner. So, you know, once you know that, you know, you see, you see, as you rightly pointed out, the DNC are doing it. Um, the Republicans are doing it, too. Twas ever thus. And twill ever, twill ever be, I think. <laughs> well, the Republicans are trying. They did it to Ron Paul. But now uh, Trump's yeah. kind of got the RNC by the balls threatening this uh, <laughs> third party run. It's kind of funny seeing them squirm and freak out about all this. Mm. Well, yeah, it is. If you guys had a name, okay, I mean, Donald Trump is kind of taking off. We can't really deny that in so many ways. And uh, do you think there is a DNC equivalent, a Democrat equivalent to Donald Trump? It's obviously not Hillary or, Mal- or, or O'Malley, so I guess there's only one guy left. I could I could presume it might be. And I mean, do you think in any way is Bernie capturing sort of the other, I guess, side of what Trump happens to be capturing? I mean, that same feeling of disenfranchisement, of injustice, I guess, that people have. Is he capturing, I guess, the anti-corporation side of that, the people that see that corporations are the ones causing the economic injustice or, or whatever people might perceive, whereas Trump is coming from the other side and sort of attacking, I guess, the ineptitude of government and how he can turn it into, you know, quote-unquote, more like a business or what have you. I wrote an article about this. Um not that long ago, so I'll shut up and let you other guys talk, but I, I've got quite a bit to say on that, yeah. That's why I teed you up, Robin. Come on. I, I know what's going on. So why don't, you, uh, why don't you tease your article, and we'll link to it in the show notes as well. Oh, you want me to? I don't want to be, like, holding fort here and, like, keeping it. Oh, hold fort. It's all good. Why, why else? Why have I, you on otherwise? I've thought about this before, so go right ahead. <laughs> all right. Okay, great. Okay, well, thanks, gentlemen. Um, okay, so I wrote an article called, I think um, – um, as Trump and Sanders push the right buttons, the liberty movement must wake up. Which is so, so what I said in that article is like, look, you do well politically, you move the dial, you get surges of support by reflecting back to people the injustice they already feel. On the left, Bernie Sanders is doing that by quite legitimately 
being the guy to deliver the facts that justifies the feeling of, in of injustice, the sense of economic injustice that many young people, or many people, are feeling, right? So, so like, for example, he put out a video, Sanders put out a video not long ago. Um, the first five and a half minutes was just a bunch of statistics. It was nicely produced and animated about, you know, all the, like the concentration of wealth in the top 0.1%. Now, um, and that speaks to this unfairness that loads of people feel that the rest of the political establishment isn't speaking to. So Bernie gets that massive kind of surge of support. Now that's on the left. On the right, you've got Trump who taps into immigration because people quite rightly, and I, libertarians don't like to hear this, but people quite rightly feel there's a deep sense of injustice in when we're dealing with security issues and we have a welfare state of people who can just come over the border and the same rules don't seem to apply. People just feel that at a human level, there's something wrong with that. It's not fair. So, But none of the establishment can can talk about that, right? Because they're completely inept at fixing it. It's not as hard to fix as they want you to believe, but um, they're completely inept at fixing it, so they don't talk about it. Republicans, Democrats, you know, difficult. So Trump comes along and just says what a load of people are feeling, that visceral sense of injustice, and there he surges. So here you have it, right? It's the same kind of um, political communication, communication strategy that you're seeing uh, from Sanders and Trump, and it always works. It has worked. Um, I don't know if I've talked about this on your show before, Mark. I, I, I might well have done, you know, but I use this example as such a good one. In the UK, UKIP have done this. In 20 years, they've gone from not existing to a 14% at a general election and actually winning a national election for the European Parliament, right? They call themselves a libertarian democratic party. You can argue with that, but the fact is they're a new insurgent anti-establishment party. And what they do is they just reflect back to their electorate the sense of injustice at laws coming out of a super state the european union that they have not that are, you know by that are made by people who are not democratically accountable and the harm that's been doing done to communities by uncontrolled immigration also um in the uk now whatever you feel about the positions you know that's a different question but that works you've got to reflect back to people where they already are now i'll just finish with this if you're Sanders and you're doing that, you're the guy giving the information about the economic injustice that everybody feels, then you automatically become the guy who's credible as having the answers to the problem you talk about. Because your political identity is determined by what you talk about before it's determined by what you say about it. So if I'm Bernie Sanders and I obviously really care about this economic injustice thing and I attract people who also care about that, then I'm the guy who's going to, by default, be perceived to have the correct answers. What we're doing wrong in the liberty movement, and I said this in my article, is economic injustice and free markets, that's a liberty issue. That Bernie Sanders video, the first five and a half minutes, should have been made by Rand Paul. Exactly the same first five and a half minutes with all those facts. But instead of going off with Bernie's socialist treat the symptoms solutions, Rand Paul voices the causes, and talks about treating the causes. If we in the liberty movement were talking about those things that are making Bernie Sanders successful, and we should, because we own we own economic injustice right, as an issue, um, we should own it, uh, then people would be listening to us about the solutions. But we're really bad at it. You're so right about that. I mean, when you, I mean, Rand Paul really should be the Republican Bernie Sanders, 
And yet, when Rand Paul gets up there and has an opportunity, not, not to get too far off topic, but we're all talking about the same thing. When Rand Paul's up there, he doesn't go into the injustice issue, on whether it's criminal injustice, which he's very good <coughs> good on, um, justice I'm reform, serious. or economic injustice, which he could also speak very, very well on. And uh, I mean, he touches on it. He talks about the Fed, and you know, but he gets he gets too partisan with it. He'll say, well, we all know the, the, the poorest cities are the ones run by Democrats. And I, I mean, you're not really reaching out to anybody when you say yeah, something like that. Bernie's not playing that game, right. see? Bernie's just stopping it, reflecting back to people what uh, they already feel. And it's interesting, isn't it, that, you know, the heir to Ron Paul, it, like literally and politically, is Rand Paul, right? Ron was filling n- numerous stadia with tens of thousands of young people. Bernie, not Rand, is filling those stadia now with those kind of numbers. Of and the and so is Trump. Thick. Right. So yeah, well, well, here's one thing I just want to interject here, because we were talking about how, you know, OK, is, is Sanders reflective of Trump? But one thing I just want to tell you, we're talking about how Bernie Sanders is tying into this, you know, this sense of, of injustice and how, you know, Bernie's of course, they're all using the one percent number uh, over and over all three candidates on stage. I think but, I had Bernie say point one this time, didn't he? Did he? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. If so, that was a step in the right direction. But he, he should because we're all in the one the percent of the world. If you look at that, it's like if well, you make yeah. over thirty five thousand dollars, you're in the one percent of the whole entire world, which is yeah. crazy. But the point I wanted to get around to is that I, I think what's interesting is Bernie's got a groundswell behind him, sure, but he's still a vast underdog compared to Clinton. And one of the things I think you have to look at this is, you know, a Democrats on the surface, they say, OK, yes, we want, you know, we want to fight back. We want to we want, you know, less injustice. But when you look at statistically, a lot of Democrats are actually fairly well off. The people that are supporting the Democratic Party tend to be better educated. Uh, tend to have much higher income levels. So I wonder at the end of the day if they say, okay, yeah, well, Bernie's great, but do I really want to take down Wall Street? You know, do I really want to do this? So at the, in their heart of hearts, I don't oh. know if he's going to get that real support because a lot of people's economic ties might be to Wall Street. They might say, Hillary, I like what she's doing because she's not going all the way and that actually protects my interest. But meanwhile, I can still feel good about myself because I'm saying go Democrats. That's- I don't know. Even as someone who has never been accused of being on the left, I mean, I'm never, with, never, I, Howie. I, <laughs> come on, you know me, some right wing Republicans saw you talk out against the war and called probably, you called you a progressive. Yeah, I, I, not that I can remember. I'm usually not, but uh, I mean, I'm with Bernie on war and peace and on civil liberties, but even on economics. I mean, I'm the furthest thing for a socialist there can be. But since we don't have real capitalism here, the unfairness and the corporatism and stuff, I'm like, well, you know, I know he'll do stuff about that. I mean, I don't want his whole program, but. Mm. I mean, yeah, there, I, there are I, certainly. I, um, I know he'll do some things that I like. I'm just like, well, maybe at least we'll have a Republican Congress that won't let him do all the economic crap. That, he wants that's to been do. my theory all along. Not that I actually think Bernie has any chance of winning, but I wrote an article about Sanders maybe six months ago, just sort of breaking him down from a, a liberty viewpoint. And I, he certainly, I think, he, I don't want to say better than other Democrats, but uh, well, I think he's better than the two on stage at least. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, if, yeah. I mean, look, let's let's three. just admit it. I think he's a bunch of a bunch of liberty folks. That if we were stuck with a Democratic candidate, we would choose the self-defined Democratic Socialist among the others. And it's, so, it's, it's, I, it's I, funny I to say, but it's true. Yeah, it's I mean, it, it, it is. Rand, I would pick Bernie Sanders out of every other candidate from the Republican or Democratic Party. Well, I don't know. Um, I my, my pal Brian here. Rand, he, oh. Was oh. that no? I said besides Rand. Oh, okay, okay. Rand's okay. my first choice, but okay. I nearly I fell mean, off my seat. We're not just, I'm not saying I'm just picking Bernie over the Democrats. I'm picking Bernie over every other Republican okay. candidate. Oh, okay. I, I think so I, I agree. <laughs> Well, I've got it. Okay, so this is a question. So that's really interesting because I, I sympathize with that view very strongly. And I've got a question that speaks to that, um, which I posted on the Blue Republican Facebook group a while ago. Um, I've made the distinction in articles 
um, between the lesser of two evils and the lesser of two goods. And I've said, look, you know, whatever you think about Rand, if you're libertarian or liberty orientated, you can't call him the lesser of two evils. At worst, he's the lesser of two goods. Let's say your, your great of two goods might be Gary Johnson or whoever your favorite libertarian candidate is. Now, Ted Cruz, I am seeing people in the liberty movement support him. And there's little bits of what he says that kind of like scratch a little bit close to where it itches. He sprinkles some crumbs way. out for us to sort of right. see if we'll follow. So I'm genuinely interested. Is Cruz, to a much lesser extent, a tiny step in the right direction? In the sense, like, is he okay. slightly the lesser? Robin, I think I can answer this. I agree with Ted Cruz on more than I agree with Bernie Sanders. But the mm -hmm. things that I agree with Bernie Sanders on are way more important. Oh. Uh, things about war and peace or stopping the drug war, that's way more important than the, you know, maybe a thousand other things I might uh, agree with Ted Cruz on. So, I mean, that's where I'm coming down. I think Ted Cruz's strongest issue for Liberty folks is is the Second Amendment because he is very, very strong. Well, not in the NSA. Is, is, is Cruz really – do I trust Cruz on the NSA? No, well, he's, he's, he was uh, – he was on stage touting the USA Freedom Act. Please defend. Well, us. that is true. But, All right. But so he has. For, but he has. He repeatedly does stand out. You know, say he's against NSA spying. He service. helped Rand. He, no, he also helped Rand Paul filibuster against the Patriot Act. So I mean, but Rand was also filibustering against what the same thing that ended up in the USA Freedom Act, which which Ted Cruz is up there touting as a wonderful thing. So again, I either I, I don't want to believe he's a dummy and doesn't realize what the USA Freedom Act is really is because he's not. He's clearly extremely intelligent. He might actually be the smartest person on that stage. So I I mean maybe if uh if I didn't believe his intellect was what it is, I I could buy that. But uh I just he, he to me he feels and and like he's like how he said I might agree on a thousand different things you know statements that Ted Cruz might make than Bernie. But I, I don't feel like Bernie is a slime bag, and I do kind of feel like Ted Cruz is, and maybe that's um, more of an emotional statement than anything else. But I think it's also backed up by some facts. If you looked at, if you look at a lot of Cruz's positions, how they can constantly change, how he he seems to dabble his toe in the sort of the Trump Rand Paul water, sort of speak out against regime change, uh, sort of speak out against some things, but then he also has to go sort of full neocon. He's he's kind of playing the game a lot of people Rand thought was playing the uh, the the cow toe to the liberal libertarian side and the neocon side and apparently he's doing it more effectively because he's doing better in the polls than a lot better in the polls than just about everyone i think now except for um except for trump when you asked if uh bernie was the trump uh you know if that was a good comparison in my mind it's like no he's more like the ron paul because he's a true believer he's not trying to manipulate people like cruz or trump or all these others probably are like when i look at him he believes what he says which oh, is, you know, that's a lot to say for a politician, you know? Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't drawing a similarity, just to be clear, in motivation and principle in the nature of the man, not in any way at all. Just, just in its similarity in that they're both effective insurgents to oh, I, I see, yeah. oh, community definitely. on the respective political sides that doesn't feel, you know, that, that the establishment is responding to them. They're both having success in that. And right. I, I think the the big thing with, that you mentioned earlier, Robin, is how I mean they they come across as an authority on, on these subjects with the solutions because they're pointing out the problems that that resonate with people. Yeah. And but it doesn't matter what those solutions actually are. I mean, I, I mean, I've even heard people say like they support Sanders because he's 
for something different and wants to change things. And all they know is that things are bad. He wants to change them. And I've heard people actually say, even if it's worse, we got to at least try something, which is to me a very scary way to, to view politics. Just just try things until something quote unquote works. Well, I mean, every law works for somebody and, and hurts other people. So that's a terrible way to look at things. But sadly, that is how most people tend to view politics. Yeah, but you're dealing with human nature here, right? This is exactly. profound. This is profoundly. That's true. why you're here to steer us in the right direction. Well, yeah, I mean, this speaks to what, what we you know discussed uh, 10 minutes ago. Right, which is you get support by telling people what they already feel, not what they should believe. Right, and what people feel is the problem. So it is always the case that the solutions have much less of an impact on a politician's getting support than their statement of problems. Always the case, human nature. Let's talk about one guy who uh, isn't getting much love from anybody, <laughs> but he's up there. So we. Deserve, Brian deserves McWilliams. He's getting Brian McWilliams, yes, everybody. Close, very close. And that's, of course, Martin O'Malley, Brian's long-lost Irish cousin. And uh, <laughs> Brian, I think more than any of us, has um, pointed out some points that O'Malley seems better than the others, on at least in his, some of his statements. So um, why don't I start with the O'Malley fan? I, I saw a bumper sticker, McWilliam O'Malley, uh, <laughs> yeah. 2016. Well, I, yeah, I, I have to, of course, put this in the context of, yes, he has some very large warts. I mean, he has some horrible points of view, like on guns, etc. Where and, are these warts? Have you and, seen And uh, healthcare. I've seen, oh, I've seen the pictures sorry, sorry, on the internet. Sorry, okay. <laughs> so, I live right next to his state, so I feel it more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you felt his warts? Anyway, moving on. So, uh, you know, basically he had some points during this debate and he's had some against in the last debate as well, which you got to say, you know, kudos like he had made a, a great, you know, he was the only one to bring up crony capitalism in the last debate. He also, uh, I just like this because I loved him taking a shot at Hillary, but he took a shot at Hillary for not answering the question on Wall Street when she was pressed on it and instead pushing it off to a 9-11 topic. O'Malley also spoke out against regime change and said that U.S. should not. He, I remember he had a great quote in the debate where he said, where in the U.S. Constitution does it say that the United States gets to decide when dictators time to go or something like something along those lines, paraphrasing. So he had, he mentions a lot of really great topics and he gets in some great lines that if you're a liberty, you know, if you're someone that believes in liberty and the tenets of liberty, you say, OK, wow, that's a great point. Of course, then he undoes all of that with his later statements like Second Amendment rights and, and things along those lines. Oh, I mean, I think he's right. Brian, at first, I just thought there was all your pro-Irish bias, but he said all these things. And I was like, those are awesome points. I really agree with O'Malley and all this stuff. But then he would say other things unrelated that if you were like a principal person that applies the same principles to like each issue, it's like that's totally against what you had just said about this other thing. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I believe at one point he said something to, along the lines of that that famous sort of catchphrase, like we shouldn't be giving up um, li- our liberties for um, you know some perceived additional security, while the guy at the same time calls for massive amounts right, of gun control. On and, guns. and then and then they you know the moderator asks him, oh, so when you say you want to um, you know institute a a assault weapon ban do you want to confiscate weapons that already are, are out there and people and he kind of said no but then kind of doubled down and said but we should institute this this law and he really didn't make any sense on the gun thing and what the one question i wish one moderator in any debate for any side would ask is uh, of a politician at least one who supports quote-unquote assault weapon laws is can you please define assault weapon yeah, because I would know, love to hear that. You know question. they're going to give the wrong answer. You well, know there's no answer. Say, that's no, why. exactly. It's impossible and, to give a right. And they're going to say, "Oh, you know, ma- you know, machine guns." It's like, no, that's not what they are. Someone <laughs> on stage, I think it was Bernie. I was disappointed. He he's like, "We can't have these automatic weapons and make us like they're not automatic. No. They're semi-automatic. <laughs> they're only, Every automatic. Time you pull, illegal. Each time you pull the trigger, a bullet fires. It's not hold it down and it sprays. Right. Those are mostly illegal right now. God." 
I mean, so, some people can get them with special licenses, but either way, yeah. that's not the weapon that's been used in any of the, the mass shootings. No, that that's not available to the mass public. You have to go through a lot of scrutiny to be able to but purchase something like and that. And again, not to get too far off topic, but it, it, it what am I talking about? That's all we do on the show. Uh, the, the thing that Another thing that drives me crazy about the gun control thing is when people quote these statistics like, this gun can fire 17,000 bullets a second. I'm like, well, no, it, it, maybe it might be physically capable of that if a human could pull it that fast, right. but no human can pull it that fast, so no, no gun can actually do that in reality. <laughs> oh, nonsense. I was, nonsense. Dis- I was disappointed in Bernie Sanders, you know, because he is a supporter of the Second Amendment, and obviously his state ish. is very I would say ish. After, after He's what? been getting well, pulled to the left on he this, has and been. It's, it's sad to see. That was one of the things that I liked about him. It's like, well, he's not as bad as the other Democrats on gun rights. Yeah, like, well, well, that's what he's irked me. He's getting that direction. Yeah, in the debate last night, you know, he didn't he didn't say, oh, guns are bad, but he, what he asked, he's like, oh, a terrible yeah. Bernie impression, yeah. by the way. <laughs> well, hey, if you could do a better one, please teach me. But I do, uh, I do like. I I but anyway, he I, just glanced I, over. He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Guns, are, guns are fine, but we still need to do something." You know, my, he, he just went right off the topic. In my so state, to go in my it. state of Vermont, it's a very rural state. There are many people that own guns and they go out hunting and they go shooting for recreation. But it's a different situation in the urban areas. He asked me to do a better impression, and I did. I, I was just yeah, in Vermont. I don't know. better than what you did. Come on, <laughs> I was just in Vermont. Uh, like last year for a yoga retreat and you just like going into like any little gas station store like everybody's open carrying got a gun on the hip and it's in the yoga retreat <laughs> no 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 it just in vermont like oh uh... my god i just had a brilliant idea it's yoga pants that have a holster built into them for the for the rugged yoga yogi out there um the men should no matter what never ever wear yoga pants i agree with that different <laughs> Maybe not for men. It's for but no, no, not not at the yoga Second retreat, Amendment but, uh, women. Just, just in like if you go into like a gas station, ever like you know all the customers, everybody's got a gun on them, and it's it's cool. That's it's a neat thing about Vermont being such a liberal liberal place to like, you know, they believe in defending yourself, and it's awesome. All right, Let, let's talk a little more uh, real politic for a second here. Let's uh, first of all, do these debates matter in any way? I mean, do you think these are gonna, these debates are swaying anybody's opinion, especially considering they're on Saturdays? Hardly anybody is watching them. Uh, I can I can tell from our website traffic that a lot of less of our fans watch them. Maybe maybe because it's a Democrat debate. Maybe because it's freaking Saturday night, and and people that aren't insane political nerds like us are not sitting at home Saturday night watching this. And stuff. it's two damn hours long. It's like geez, uh, yeah, I think this is almost on. three. Yeah, I thought it was or like two and, three and, a half. and a half or four. Yeah, it was it was long. It never ended. And, I missed uh, the whole UFC fight night because of it. That's all I know. That's dedication, Harry. <laughs> wow. I hope you DVR'd it. Yeah, yeah, I've been watching it this afternoon. Okay, good. In in preparation for this conversation. (laughs) Nude and oiled up, the way you should watch UFC. Oh, boy. You're you're letting Robin see what what really goes on in this show. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, do they matter? I I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's really been any huge shift. You know, Bernie Sanders still is about the same level of support, I think, that he has. I haven't seen a big increase in that. Hillary's still the leader. O'Malley's still struggling behind. It has no, you know, no grasp on anything. He's not climbing anything. So I don't know. Do, Do they matter or not? Hillary Clinton was kind of a foregone favorite uh, slash pretty much locked in. I, I don't think that's changed much. Brian, these levels of support you're talking about, though, like Obama had around the same as Bernie at this time in the election when he ran against Hillary. And we heard like Rand was just saying, you know, these polls don't mean anything. We're going to shock the world. Like, do we maybe these polls are just nonsense. Like, oh. you know, they're not calling cell phones. So no young people are given. Well, notes. I do agree with that. Cause I, was, I did a whole market. I did a Rand pluses and minuses podcast discussing exactly that. The polls are complete. They're just total horse. If Sanders wins in New Hampshire, he's going to get so much more media attention and it's, I could see everything flipping on Hillary. 
It happened once. It happened eight years ago. So it's oh, certainly God, not out of the question. It happens again. That, and I really hope she gets indicted because she should. And but, um, I, I don't think that will ever happen. But I do think that if, if they sense, if Bernie wins a primary or something or, or Iowa somehow, I mean, I, I think the fe- the venom is, I mean, the, what's the word I'm looking for? The gloves are going to come off. I hate cliches. Why did I say that? You know what I'm it, saying, though. We're going to get out there. We're going to play hard, gang. You know, you just got to do what you can do. We'll take it one day to debate yes. at a time. Fill in all, all sports cliches. Come on, that- pull up a knee. <laughs> Does that affect his chances of being a caucus state? And it like, I mean, what do they have to do with the caucus? Like, uh, well, it's more. It's who, a, who's got a better ground game? Do young people matter? I don't know. I don't know, Robin. Hashtag what do you think? It. Do do the do the youth on the ground that are are touted by both Rand Paul and Bernie Sanders as the, I guess the key to their campaign? Is this a real thing that can actually be effective, or is this just you know? Well, um, you know, it can be. Uh, you know, in my district in Seattle which is 87% Democrat. The Republicans had a caucus, you know, in 2012. And, um, you know, Ron Paul won it. Um, Wait, that wasn't on the news. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't, was it? Um, you know, so, you know, so super liberal King County did really well for Ron Paul. As I say, in, in the middle of the Seattle itself, you know, he won. My precinct, it was really interesting. There were eight people from my precinct at the table, um, seven of them had voted Obama the last time around, and I think all eight were there for Ron Paul. Wow. It was aston- it was astonishing. Yeah, you know, he here were the blue Republicans, right? You know, um, it was a real thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, of course, I mean it can, you know, uh, it, but it, it depends on the ground game, and I have no idea um, as to uh, you know what his ground game is in these caucus states. Is somebody using a hand blender in the background to make icing? What was that? Sister started uh, making a strange noise. I'm going to turn it off. Oh no, we, we don't want Robin to freeze to death up there in, in bitter cold Seattle. How how was the weather like up there, uh, Robin? Today, Is it raining. He he might be off turning the heater off. He's right probably now, off. Yeah. It's been yeah, super warm in Virginia. I'm back. I'm back. All right. I hope you don't. If you start to, uh, if we hear you stop talking, I'll assume that you're just frozen with like an icicle on the end of your nose. His teeth will start chattering the entire rest of the show. Sorry about that, gentlemen. Oh, it's all good. Um, oh, man. I don't, it's so hard to think of where to go with these debates because there's not 18 candidates for me to jump to. So I'm not sure how much deeper we can get on these specific candidates. But so I do ask you guys a question. Then. Yes, go for it. So here's one thing that I thought when I was listening to O'Malley, which is that the worst thing, I might be overstating this, but what do you think? The worst thing that a, uh, a candidate can do on a debate stage is appear to be trying too hard. Because I couldn't get past that with O'Malley and, and, and also with a few of the Republican candidates. It's yeah. like, it was all scripted. It was all like, he's going to cram in as much of all the cool stuff he's done. Like, I didn't get to find out anything about the guy except he was a bit insecure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he seems to have taken Jim Webb's place as the guy that's saying, hey, look at me. Hey, come yeah. on, let me talk more. Well, there's probably, and I, I guess, I mean, I don't know what's in Martin O'Malley's heart. Part of me wonders why he's even running. Is he just trying to be Hillary's VP or maybe run for Senate soon or something like that, raising his national profile kind of thing. But um, if he is genuine and does really want to be president, he's probably extremely frustrated <laughs> that hey, nobody hey, talks that, about him. I, I Last podcast, I brought up that poll by that uh, college that uh, predicted a Bernie Sanders, Martin O'Malley ticket winning. They predicted the correct president the last 40 years in a row. That's Just so you know. Interesting. But anyways... His state of Maryland is probably tied with your state of California and New Jersey for the worst gun laws in the, the whole country. That sounds Me being right. a Virginian living right next to that and just hearing like the horror stories of people that get in so much trouble for nonsense, it like it makes it really hard for me to ever 
like listen to Martin O'Malley. Oh yeah, no, I mean he's when he's talked I, about guns, I just I, I mean that's when I have to go. Oh god, I mean I that's, that's got to be his worst thing. I, I, I'm assuming there's probably some like economic stuff. Us as libertarians are going to be pretty opposed to as well. He's the anti Ted Cruz on the left, whereas the 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 issue that Ted Cruz is excellent on is is the Second Amendment that libertarians might flock to. And at the same time, I think libertarians will just run the hell away from O'Malley because he's so, so awful on guns, unapologetically. At least Bernie's kind of like, oh, they're not bad, but uh, yeah, we need laws. And then Hillary is is bad, but she doesn't come, or she tries, she still does try to toe the line a little bit. Like when they asked her if we should ban guns, she didn't, she didn't come out and say, ban them all. She said, well, no, it's not guns alone, but she just says more weapons on the street won't help. So she's kind of, she's kind of saying the same thing, but doing it in a little is, more is political way. Is it just way. me? Or I, I just, I don't believe anything she says, even no, when she's no. talking about, Zero. it's like, well, we don't want to have ground troops going to these places or, you know, we'll have some special operations and that. I'm like, I hear you saying that and I kind of sort of agree, but. I think you're a liar, and I don't think that's true at all. I oh, think you will go to war in all these places. I mean, that's the thing about Hillary. For me, it's it's I can't even if she does say three things I I might like in another universe where I didn't know who she was. Yeah, I don't live in another universe. I live in this one where we have 30 years of history showing what a corrupt, uh, complete politician she is. And honestly, the fact that she has any support is is mind boggling. But I guess it but, shouldn't be. But it shouldn't. Yeah, it shouldn't be because <laughs> it's mind boggling to me. This is the country of celebrity. Right. Yeah. And and she's the closest thing to political celebrity. Now, Trump and, and her like, you know, c- Americans love celebrity. It's all about name recognition. It, I mean, that's 80 percent of it. Well, like, celebrity or royalty. I mean, essentially, when you look at the Clintons, they are they are American royalty. Her, her, her name recognition, though, guarantees that every Republican comes out and votes against her. Is every Democrat like all gung ho fired up to come out and vote for her? I'm not so sure. She's got significant or she has had significant negatives. You know, like, you know I mean, but big polls. Like, don't people say, haven't they done these polls? Like, people say they're like, okay, Clinton, first word comes to your mind, liar, mm-hmm. <laughs> like corrupt. <laughs> like, they're like, oh yeah, we like her better. A lot of Republicans, but you know, we don't like her. We don't trust her. Are you gonna get out of bed and go vote for her? I don't know. Howie, I don't know how much you experience this out there. I think it's kind of a mixed bag for you. But out here in California, and I would imagine up where Robin is in Seattle, I meet a lot, a lot of Bernie supporters, and a lot of them are are very anti-Hillary too. I mean, they will even come out and, and you know, p- post things. I saw people posting videos today uh, comparing Hillary, things she was saying in the debate, versus all the Republican candidates. And you know there's no worse smear for a progressive than to be to compare you to a Republican. So there's a very strong anti-Hillary sentiment. At the same time, the cynic in me, and someone correct me if, if they think that this is going to happen any differently, but I really think that at the end of the day... They're gonna. It, Bernie is there, whether he intends to be there for this reason or not, to fire up the progressive base, get them all ready for this election, and I think eventually he's going to bow out and happily endorse Hillary Clinton. I don't think so. He he wouldn't be threatening a lawsuit against the DNC. Oh, I don't he think is, he's happy now. He I just is, think at the end of the day, I don't, I don't think he's willingly. He, I don't think he's trying to support Clinton. If no, I don't think he's trying to do that now. I just think that's going to be the end result of this. Because I remember remember Dennis Kucinich, guys. Remember how everyone. I mean, for a while, Dennis Kucinich was considered the Ron Paul of the Democratic Party uh, back in 2008. He was the guy sticking to principle, even once again, just like Bernie, when we don't agree with the principles, we still see him as this honest guy who's not, you know, not a party hack. And what does he do towards the end of the, uh, of the election? He comes out and endorses Obama and tells all his supporters, yes, we don't agree on these things, on X amount of things, but at the end of the day, well, we certainly can't have the Republican. And I think Bernie will do the same thing. He'll say, look, hey, we can't have we can't have Donald Trump in there. We've got to support Hillary. So, you know, that's well, actually. 
Bernie pretty much did say that on the stage. Exactly. And <laughs> That's why I predicted. He said any one of us on our worst day is better than, you know, any of the Republicans on their best. Which is exactly what the Republicans, even Rand Paul, go out there and say. They all say, well, no matter what, at least we're better than than all the, than Hillary or any Democrat. I mean, which is just well, I hate that. They they are all better than Hillary. I mean, I, I mostly I think agree. I maybe agree. By the way, did I you guys would, catch Hillary? I'm, uh, I'm pretty certain I would vote for Satan over Hillary. Yeah. <laughs> did you Did you hear? By the way, she was pressed on. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think this Trump is... over Hillary. You know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Definitely. But yeah, did you hear her say she was basically? Uh, you know, they asked her about different interventions. And I, I can't remember if it was tied into the Libya question or not. But she basically said she goes, well, you know, whether it's to, you know, dealing with ISIS in uh, Africa or the Middle East, where she's like, Asia. We'll, we'll have to go. Yeah, Asia. She's like, we'll have to go she, wherever they're at, and you know. And you'll get like involved and basically advocated like airstrikes and everything across the world. I think I was like earlier in the debate, but She's it like, just shows hey, you I'm how... a world traveler. I'll go anywhere. Yeah, but it just shows well, you. World War Three. There's your candidate. Yeah, she, she <laughs> is. She Paul is essentially Republican when it comes to God, her views on war. Who's not your candidate if you want World War Three? I guess Bernie and O'Malley if you believe their statements. But I mean, I... and our boy Rand, and our boy Rand, and Rand. I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm just talking about the Democrats for the moment. But yeah, I mean. I want to believe Bernie is better than the most, but he's supported Democrat wars in the past. I don't think he yeah. would instigate them, but I think he could be talked into supporting some. You know, Martin O'Malley is certainly better on uh, war and peace, anti-regime change, all that kind of nonsense. I mean, as much of the hate I've given on him, if it's him versus like, probably just about any Republican, I'll probably, I would probably vote for him. Not wow. that I mean, how he's, he's how he just came out and endorsed the worst guy go. on guns. Did you hear that, everybody? I'm going to clip that audio and put it out there so yep. people know. That you are the real O'Malley supporter here. But do you think we could, I mean, this is like, we talked about this with Bernie Sanders before and his economic views. And I know we compared it to kind of Ron Paul and his statements previously where he wanted to, you know, get rid of the Board of Education and all that stuff. Some of these, you know, stances, we're never going to get rid of the Second Amendment. There's only so much you can do. And so you you say, okay, there, he's terrible on guns, but is that ever going to happen? Are we ever really going to roll this out or be able to? And I say no. If they tried to, like confiscate the guns in America like they did in Australia. It's Civil War Part oh, 2. definitely. Electric no. boogaloo. I mean, they could pass an assault, <laughs> a quote-unquote assault weapons ban. It's not like that hasn't happened in somewhat recent history. But um, I, Although I did see a poll today that for the first time like ever, ev- Americans even reject that idea, let alone the fact that there's no such thing as an assault weapon. But yeah. well, they they, they've, never done, they've never done one that's like retroactive, though, where you have to, like, if you have one, you have to turn it in. It's like right. no more from now on. Right, right. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, they brought it up on stage during a question. They said that, you know, in a recent poll, Americans, you know, by a decent majority said the answer to domestic terrorism was to have more people armed in the country. So, whether, you know, about, why, why, a, why would any plan to roll back uh, the Second Amendment or, or make it more difficult to get guns or restrict them or take them back, you know, proceed if this is the, the way the majority of Americans are feeling right now? How about apart from like just what people think will help or make things better? We had an assault weapon ban for 10 years. Didn't help anything. Didn't yeah. do anything. Like we have the data. If we want to use like reason and scientific like, yeah, I mean, even though we don't make these decisions about our views on data, a lot of other people do, and and they're not even being consistent based on data. <laughs> so that's how I try to live my life, and I encourage our listeners what, look based at on data. data? <laughs> let's let's follow facts. Let's like uh, not go by emotional arguments. Get riled up and go attack somebody. If, or if we did that, our, our foreign policy our would be vastly different. <laughs> look at the last sixty years of American foreign policy. Every time you see what's happened, and we keep doing the same thing over and over again. Trump, though he is, he is tapping into that. He knows everyone has an emotional reaction, and they're the candidates are trying to play to that emotional hype. What gets people like? We're not talking about what what works or what 
like what is going to get people worked up and come vote for me? Well, it's just like Robin was saying earlier. That's exactly the point you had made earlier, Robin, is tying into kind of the, you know, the, the things that people are outraged against and they see as an injustice or something that's an immediate danger and not, not even presenting the solution, which Trump never does that either. He always, you know, like look at his internet things like, oh, let the, let the, let the smart guys figure it out. It's like, you know, they just bring up the topic. They don't need to solve it. They just tend to get people riled that, up. That they say, oh, they're going to deal with it. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then they, you know, who, who cares if they have a real solution for it that actually would work? That is the solution, though. He will hire smart people. <laughs> I mean, That's how he's running his businesses. He doesn't make decisions. He just hires smart people. I, I don't doubt that any of these guys are smart and that many of the people that work in government are smart. The thing is, if you have bad ideas and you're smart at implementing them, I like that doesn't really give me any comfort. That actually worries me more. <laughs> but maybe I'm just, uh, once again, I, I'm the king of the cynics here. I think that everything's going to shake out in the most boring way possible. Although, I'm more convinced about the Democratic side than the Republican side. I'm not quite sure what's going to happen there. Although, I do, I I actually think, talking about polls and the irrelevancy of polls, I actually think Trump, Trump support is underpolled, if you can believe that. Because I find out about people that are Trump supporters every day that I was like, what, really? I, I, I think he's tapping into people that don't get polled. I think he's tapping into people that don't give a shit about politics because he's freaking Donald Trump and people are starting to realize that he's for real. And once again, regardless of what his solutions are, I don't even think he has real solutions. I think he has you know a lot of just bold statements he makes. And they're t- like Robin has said, like we've been saying over and over, he taps into that sentiment, that feeling of injustice. And maybe after eight years of, of Democrats and Obama, he has the better chance at, at actually capturing that in reality, which is... Uh, crazy and, you know and the metric you know is is as i say is name recognition right mm-hmm. so when he says something outrageous he gets the media coverage more name recognition um and then all the other candidates play right into it by all going out and t- attacking him which Rand does all the time which i don't think benefits him at all no i i, I hate to say it fellas but uh after rand and after bernie i think trump would be my third choice just because he's not beholden to the parties and he says a lot of things i agree with and a lot of stuff that i think that's that's awful that's horrible but i don't think he actually means it might be wishful thinking on my part. I don't know. Well, he's a but- bit like Clinton in regards that his his viewpoints change so often. You, you know, there's video of him going back and forth on these things where he was against it. Now he's for it. He was for it. Now he's against it. it so it really seems to me that he says something super extreme, then walks it back. You and know that's what? like he. I think his real position is the walked back position. But as like a negotiator, you got to start for like something more and then bring it back that's an interesting take that's That's an interesting take that's that's part of what scott adams uh robin i don't know if you've read about this at all but you know this scott adams he's the uh the author of the the dilbert comic strip and he's actually written a series of blog posts about trump's tactics and how he he basically says trump is a wizard he uses these sort of hypnotism tactics in his speech by and part of his strategy is is making big bold statements that he has no intention of actually trying to follow through on but then he walks he gets the attention from that then he walks it back to something that sounds more reasonable and suddenly he sounds more reasonable compared to himself but it sounds good now and it which is crazy because like hey don't listen to that other crazy me listen to this me now and and And, it it works it works and he already his crazy statement got all the media attention so he's the only person we even heard about he's had like that's like 38 times more media coverage than bernie sanders yeah, no, that's his game, you see, because, you know, people, again, they're looking at the content, but it's never about the content. This guy, he's, he's a salesman and a showman, right? So when he's saying something, his primary, what, what makes him feel good, what he's feeding off is the attention. So what he does, if he gets the positive feedback, you know, he makes a, you know, a certain statement in a certain direction and it goes down, he gets away with it and it increases his coverage. Then he's just going to push it one more step. 
And he's just, that, that's his thing because he's feeding off the attention, which I think is why he's thoroughly dangerous. But, um, but no, that's it. And of course, because name recognition and attention um, are what make you popular and get people to vote for you, especially in this country, you know, that correlates maybe not completely, but quite strongly with, um, you know, potential success at the ballot box and certainly success in the polls. I mean, none of it's very uh, difficult to understand if you can just like step out of the illusion that we have about what really politics is and and remember what in fact politics is. And and Robin, I'm curious your thoughts on this because this is something uh, our colleague John Odermatt brought up on when we discussed the Republican debate. And and, first of all, I just have to say, evidence that Trump is effective is right here on this podcast because we are doing a debate, a Democrat debate reaction show, (laughs) and we can't even avoid talking about Donald Trump half the time. So proof right there. And neither (laughs) could they during the debate. They all brought him up. Exactly. I mean, he's he's there, Hillary. His campaign is brilliant. I give him that. It's he's. I mean, I haven't seen anything this amazing in politics ever. No, it's pretty crazy. So, guys, we have to get to the most important question from the debate. Uh, what, do you, what do you think that the role of a president's spouse should be? <laughs> uh, you know, I'll was say was that the most ridiculous question ever asked thing, in a debate? Be, I, okay, I like, I'd like to preface this with I would love to see a female president. So, president's spouse, like we talking about a man or a woman? Yeah, it would be Bill Clinton. I, like, I, I, say, <laughs> I say the role should be be seen and not heard. Yeah. <laughs> like the Milford Academy. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's actually the only point in in favor of Hillary for me, um, just from a sort of uh, you know spectator standpoint, is seeing Bill Clinton as as first husband would be just yeah. just entertainment galore. Well, I mean, well Rico Rico made a great comment about this during the live blog yesterday because they're doing this whole you know president spouse with what should their role be, and he makes a great point is. They shouldn't have any role. They're unelected. <laughs> Why should an unelected person have their a role massive should be impact? To comfort their their spouse right. after after work. It's which, like Hillary I mean, when she was first lady. She was pushing through a, a massive healthcare overhaul. Michelle Obama guys, was pushed through a massive school lunch care overhaul. It's like why should she be able to do anything? You're not elected. Quit doing anything. Sit Her there. Her healthcare plan back then was like worse than Obamacare. It was awful. They would have like people come to your house for like well checks, make sure your children are okay. They get like taken what? away and like. Wow. Yeah, man, that was way back in the old days when I became a libertarian. Like, <laughs> <laughs> look at how he trying to tout yeah. his his libertarian street. You're like trend, Martin like, O'Malley, say, uh, calling the, out the, the age International Society for Individual Liberty. Told me how awful Hillary's health plan was, and I, I believed it. <laughs> this is this is why he's the Godfather. I don't and, know if you know gran- this, Robin. My uh, grandparents told me she had Vince Foster killed. And I believe them on that too. So. <laughs> I believe your grandparents too. Um, yeah, Robin, uh, Howie is actually the uh, the the person who. I guess first set me down the path of uh, the ideas of liberty, and then uh, Brian kind of did through me. So that's why we sort of refer to him as the Godfather, because okay. way back in a uh, way back in uh, high school, how he was actually a page in Washington D.C. and actually met Ron Paul, and that's where he started t- telling me, "Hey, listen to this Ron Paul guy. He's really cool, and he's got some great stories." Who's the guy you were you were uh, working for, Howie? Um, well, I was appointed by Congressman Konjorski. Not nothing shady about him, but right. I have stories about other members of Congress. That's what it was. Yeah, some interesting tales. Oh well, another, another time for another debate on there, or another right. podcast dedicated oh, just actually, to Howie one, stories one, from the trenches. You know what? We one, actually one quick page. One quick page story. All right, let's a do it. A friend of mine. I mean, we we were all kind of fell into that libertarian thing. We Remember, did, like, this is going to air. This and that. <laughs> My friend Clinton was like. I don't want to deliver stuff to Bernie Sanders. Obviously, he's a socialist. Screw him. I'm like, fine, fine. I'll take it there. I hated socialism. I walk in. He had beautiful girls working in there. <laughs> like, oh my god, maybe, maybe socialism is not. But no, no. What do you think? <laughs> no. But it oh, was. Uh, 
confusing to the 17 year old mind those beautiful <laughs> that's how they get you man it's my you, libertarian ideals it's like uh the odyssey and ulysses though you see those beautiful women you start to go towards them then bam your ship's crashed what, on the um, rocks do you think Rand paul's got any hot chicks working in his office <laughs> i'm sure he does i think he should have his wife out campaigning for him more she is good looking all right, let's not get too far off the rails of misogyny here, fellas. <laughs> um, well, but, we, hey, we're talking about spouses. This is true. This what is role true. would Rand Paul's it's, wife it's, be? It's all related. No. Um, but we're kind of winding t- towards the end of the show, so I want to kind of do uh, what we did towards the end of the GOP debate reaction show, and that is uh, make some bold predictions, because we've got a little <laughs> under a month until the next Democratic debate. So I just want to go to each person and... Um, from now and then, make one bold prediction of what will happen in the Democratic Party, and maybe that prediction is that nothing will happen, but that's not that bold. But um, <laughs> between now and the next Democratic debate, will we see any shakeups? Will Martin O'Malley leave the race? Will you know? Will will the polls tip one way or the other? What do you guys think? We'll start with Howie. Um, nothing changes until people start voting. If it's gonna flip, that's when it'll happen. Once New Hampshire and Iowa starts voting, if 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 there's this grassroots that we don't know about that aren't getting called on their cell phones for polls, that's when we're going to know if Bernie Sanders has a chance. So you think that um, really nothing, nothing scandalous, nothing crazy happens between now and the next debate, but you do think that... I mean, I don't think they can the really make starts. much hay out of this fake scandal about the Bernie Sanders looking into Hillary's voter information thing. Like, uh, th- That's just a bunch of trumped up nonsense. I, I don't know if you heard his explanation at, at the debate, but... I, I'm pretty sure what he was saying was accurate. He was basically, I mean, to me, he was kind of implying that he was set up, right? I mean, sort of. It seemed that oh, and something I found out today, the uh, that software that wasn't working properly and they ended up with that information, uh, I think like the Clinton Foundation, like giving all this money to that company and all this crap. So it's, that sounds right. it's so super shady. And be, being the Clintons, it's, you know... All right, I'm actually going to extend my question mid-question. You, you can, you're, from now on, you're allowed to include bold predictions that go through the first primaries. How about that? So um, <laughs> that being said, which you just did, Howie. So no, let's, let's go further then. What do you actually think will occur? Let's just say Iowa, New Hampshire when it comes to the Democrats. And we'll, we'll, re, we'll revisit this prediction in a month when we look at the next debate. How about that? Is there money? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do we win it for right? <laughs> you, you just win like a, a Liberty Award. Alliance, nice. You win a Lions of Liberty mug. How about that? <laughs> I'll take it. All right. So what's your actual prediction, though? Like, if you, Do you think Bernie is going to win Iowa or New Hampshire? I think he's going to win New Hampshire. I don't know if Hampshire. that's just my wishful thinking, but... Well, it's a bold I, prediction. That's, so what, I, I, that's what I'm we'll at least trying it. to convince myself of. <laughs> All right. Let's move over to Brian here. What's your bold prediction, if any... But hopefully there is, because if not, I I, I feel, well, you go ahead. I'll I, make a bro- I, I want to make a prediction about what your prediction is, but that's just, right, that's well, going too deep. I'll make a proclamation. Martin O'Malley wins the president. No. Uh, no, I think, here's, a, I think, two things will happen. I agree with Howie. I think that Bernie Sanders will win in, in New Hampshire. Uh, and I think that before the primaries, there's going to be something, some bombshell is going to come out about Hillary Clinton that further damages her and could impact her. <laughs> I don't believe I, I'm serious. I think it's going to happen. Hillary is Teflon. Nothing can damage well, her. Well, it's already people. The Benghazi, email thing has hurt her. Email. I don't, is that, how has it hurt her? I think, among who? The, the, like, how I said, the most Googled terms, like Hillary Clinton comes up with like liar, you know, stuff like that. So I think something else is going to come out. I think that, the, or maybe it might be the FBI indicting her for. Indicting her? Or indicting her. Sorry, not indicting her. Indicting her. Because they already, <laughs> There was a, just a recent interview with uh, with the guy that's doing the investigation, saying, "Look, we're not playing Call politics. Me. We're going after her. If the, if there's something there, we're going to do it." I think they're going to they're going to charge her or something. Because I don't. He I do. In the past, has done things like that. Like, if you're not going to bring these charges, I'm going to resign. He might do something big in public like that. Yeah. So I could I could which, see that happening sometimes in a couple months. I think that would be enough to hurt her. 
I don't think they will ever like actually convict her of anything. No, but, but they they might. Still, I just want she might charges have to, to be it. brought or some big thing to happen because charges should be brought. So that's my prediction. All right, and um, Robin, FBI, you're our only hope. <laughs> that's a that's a frightening phrase, actually. <laughs> it truly right is. Uh, so, Robin, what about you? Between now and say Iowa, New Hampshire. What what do you think is going to happen with this Democratic Party? Well, is there well, going to be a shakeup, or is this going to happen in the boring way that I, I think it'll happen? Bold predictions are against my religion. I have no clue. I I mean, there are just so many variables. All right, let me let me flip the- you don't know anything about. And one thing I know, one I you know, one thing I will predict is is that everybody will that, that the overwhelming majority of people who make predictions will be shown to know a lot less than they think they know. This is true. So why don't why don't I flip the question on you then and ask you what you would like to see happen? I guess from a uh, from a liberty viewpoint, what do you think is best in the long term, if anything, or maybe just an entertainment viewpoint, right. Right? whatever oh. way you want to come at it. Oh my God! Well, we want I I you know we want I think we want a Rand versus Sanders runoff, don't we? That would definitely be. The, yeah, I, yeah. I, that, yeah. I don't think I anybody can disagree with <laughs> that's that. That's what I'd like to see. All right. Yeah. And uh, me. My bold prediction is that nothing bold will occur and that Hillary Clinton is going to win Iowa and then she's going to win New Hampshire and then she's going to win all the other states and that's what's going to and then Bernie Sanders will drop out and endorse her. That's Mark, my prediction. Mark, I, I want to ask you for a prediction. Who has a more likely chance of becoming the president? Pataki or Mitt Romney? That's not really a prediction that's up for Mitt Romney <laughs> like ever or in this that's a oh, really this, random this, this question. Election, this election. Do you think they might drag him in during the uh, if there's like a broker convention and make Mitt Romney the savior, sacrificial I'll lose to Clinton Lamb? Do you think that could happen? Yeah, I don't I, think. I, I actually think I don't think that's likely. But I to to answer the question, I think it's more likely than George Pataki being president or me nominee. Too. I don't think it's likely either, but I think it's more likely than Pataki or Graham or Santorum or uh, Huckabee winning. That's probably true. I would agree. All right, gentlemen. Well, it has been a um, a fun time because um, you know, as much as um, we might not necessarily enjoy the content of these debates, and especially the Democratic debate, maybe. Um, hey, let's be honest. None of us would be doing this show right now if we weren't total political nerds. So uh, I know we all enjoy it in our own various ways. Robin, it was a blast as always to have your perspective and have you on the show, uh, especially this Democratic show, because I know you have uh, an ability and a, a deep knowledge, I guess, of, of how people look at things from all sides. And uh, you know, you were, I think, instrumental in bringing a lot of, um, I guess, progressives or people that identify that way into the Liberty Ron Paul movement. Yeah, that's Robin's true. kind of a you're kind of a modern bourbon Democrat, if if you remember uh, back with the like the Grover Cleveland days. I th- I don't remember them. I wasn't there. But, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that has been that has been said. I think a couple of times. Uh, yeah, no, actually, um, thanks for mentioning it. Uh, the from inside the campaign, the Ron Paul campaign in 2012, I was told that um, by their numbers, the Blue Republican was the single biggest coalition numerically for one Paul, a coalition born on the progressive Huffington Post, which I, I do kind of like as a claim to fame. Well, yeah. kudos. I tip my hat to you, sir. Right. <laughs> oh, thank you. I, I appreciate it. All right, folks. And, and that is it for today's reaction show. Join us again this coming Thursday when uh, myself and the Lions of Liberty crew have another little special for you. It's actually going to be our holiday special where we will hand out our naughty or nice awards for the year. So that should be fun. I, I have a feeling there's going to be more naughty than nice um, for Liberty, but but we shall see. 
Uh, Brian, you look like you have something to say. Is that true? No, no, I absolutely okay. don't. That's just the look that's always I'm, on your face. I'm wincing because I have terrible sciatic pain oh, right, right now. Right. We, <laughs> we could do a whole podcast about Brian's back pain, but we'll, we'll Mark, spare everybody. Was Howie, this supposed to be thoughts? libertarians in living room drinking liquor? Because I've been drinking bourbon this whole time. You know what? I, I just assumed you were you were drinking the whole time, but I, I knew that I, I wasn't. I thought we so were supposed to. I didn't want to call myself out as being a wuss or Brian or Robin. I had, I had so. a sip before I came, but I'm not. I just drinking water during it. But um, it does right, comfort right. me to know that you. I mean, it's it's closer to night for you. We're on the west coast. You're you're oh, in the evening right. so it's okay for you to be I mean it would be okay for any of us but you know come on alright guys once again thank you so much Robin for coming on the show um, until this Thursday until our holiday special folks why don't you just join me in, in signing off with everyone until our next episode until then folks why don't you guys just go ahead and live long and live free so would Bernie Sanders be like yeah into that you're not that sign off you think do you think he'd want us to live free? I don't know if he'd want us to live long, though, because then it would get into the whole, like, how are you going to pay for that? Yeah, kind of plan, Bernie. You know, I mean, trillions upon trillions of dollars if we live that long. Hey, Robin, thanks a lot for coming to the show. I really do appreciate it. And may I use this audio for my show? Yes, absolutely. By all Fire away. Yeah. As long as you tell your audience how wonderful the Lions of Liberty are and all that stuff. And but point, you just did if I use this audio, so we're good. <laughs> good point. That is a good point. Nice. Head of Editing and Mastering is John Dauber. Contact johnny53 at gmail.com. <laughs>